Someone says, <clears throat> are you getting political on us? Look, when, when morality uh, started being twisted and turned, uh, the political crowd got into my area uh, of concern. Uh, I, I don't care about a lot of political stuff, but I care about the morality of our society. I care about the belief systems. I care about <clears throat> what our children are being taught in the universities, in preschools, and everywhere in between. Uh, so it's our responsibility as Christians to be salt, which is an irritant, right, into a wound, and to be light, which expels the darkness. So uh, that's what we want to do. Uh, have no other political aspirations other than just be true to preaching the word of Almighty God. Let's stand together as we worship him together.
Thank you. You may be seated. And for adults here, our Bible message will begin in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. The slide may have, uh, I may have inverted some verses there, but it's supposed to be Romans chapter 8, verse 1. I think I have Romans 1, verse 8. But hey, you know. Uh, But before that, for all the boys and girls that are here, all the boys and girls, if you're a boy or a girl, would you raise your hand? Uh, all right, so I can see where you all are. We got several right over in here, right over in here. Right. You're kind of old for a boy. I, well, you're you're not a girl. Okay, all right, all right, good. So, boys and girls, I'm gonna I'm gonna be preaching to your parents about who we listen to, whether we listen to God or whether we listen to the devil, and who we follow as a result of listening to them. And when I was a kid in uh, watching cartoons. Uh, I would often see a cartoon like the one that's going to be up here in just a minute, okay? And, and it, it shows something that we're going to see right now, <laughs> right away. Yeah. How many of you kids know who this is? How many of you kids know who this is? Yeah, he's an old cartoon character named Donald Duck. And Donald Duck, and in some of the cartoons, uh, there would be two, like, two things, two ducks that would uh, be on his shoulders. One would try to get him to do something bad. One would try to get him to do something good, and they'd argue with each other, and they'd fight with each other. And so this, the angel would try to uh, get him to do things like be honest and tell the truth and stay away from drugs and, and never take things that aren't his. And the devil would say, you need to lie and cheat and steal and, and, and have fun no matter what your parents say. And now these are just cartoon characters, and there's another one right here, all right? There's another one that is going to be on the screen momentarily. Yeah, there we go. This is Pluto. How many know Pluto? You thought he was a planet. <laughs> this is Pluto. And, and, and even though these are cartoon characters, the truth is real. The truth is that there are voices that try to get us to do what's right, and there are voices that try to get us to do what's wrong. So it's kind of like for us, the devil's on one shoulder and Jesus is on the other. So what do we do and who do we listen to? And the thing is, what we do, boys and girls, will depend on who we listen to. Now, there's another one here, Fred Flintstone. Remember How many remember Fred Flintstone? Uh, yabba-dabba-doo. Huh? All right. And this is Fred, and boy, he had the same thing. And you know what? Uh, these are all cartoons, of course, uh, but, but the fact is, and let's have one more slide here for the boys and girls. This, this is a little boy here, and he's trying to figure out what to do. And one, uh, one of the devils is trying to tell him to do something, and the angel's saying, no, 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 don't do that. Do something else. So even though we use cartoons and pretend little boy here to illustrate a point, I want you to know this. That Satan is real, and the devil is real, just like Jesus is real. And the devil wants to ruin your life with sex and drugs and power and whatever else he can use to trap you. And Jesus is, is wanting to be your savior. He's wanting to be the one who can forgive all of your sins and wash you clean and make you a better person. He wants what's best for you. Now, in your life, boys and girls, you will make literally thousands and thousands of decisions. But before you make them, you need to ask yourself, ask God, really, what does Jesus want me to do? Because it's like, it's more than just being on your shoulder. It's like the devil's all around us. And Jesus, if we know him as our savior, is inside of us. And he's whispering to us to do the right thing. And Satan's trying to get us to do the wrong thing. Don't listen to the devil. Don't 
listen to the devil. Don't listen to the devil. Boys and girls, say it with me. Don't listen to the devil. Parents, help them. Don't listen to the devil. One more time. Don't listen to the devil. You know why? He's a dirty, rotten liar. And one day his pants are going to literally be on fire. If he wears pants in hell, I don't know about that. But, but the fact of the matter is, don't listen to the devil. Listen to the angel. And, and, and if you're a certain age, devil or angel, you think of a song, right, in the 60s? Huh? Devil or angel? Okay, anyhow. All right. Boys and girls. All right, preschool through, uh, preschool through what grade? Huh? Preschool through first, right in that door over there, okay? Preschool through first grade, and then second through fifth grade or sixth grade, right over in these doors here, okay? So little kids right back there where Miss Laura is standing, and the bigger young people right over here where God is standing, and we'll give you just a minute to go ahead and be dismissed while we're turning in our Bibles, moms and dads, to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. In our promise series, in this promise series, which we've been in almost the entire year of 2021, we've pointed out certain promises Uh, concerning, first of all, our temporal needs. We talked about things that we need to have in this life, our physical needs. Uh, We talked about that. We talked about our prayer life and promises regarding the Bible and reading the Bible and incorporating the Bible into our lives. We talked about promises regarding eternity, promises about the church, promises about moms and marriage and resurrection. We talked about sacrifice Uh, We talked about surety of of the promises we have, the simplicity of the promises we have, and the substance of his promises. And next week, we conclude this whole series with promises to dads. But today, I want to share with you uh, promises about the spiritual realm. Not the temporal, not the physical, but the spiritual realm. We're all aware of the physical, are we not? We're all aware of our physical needs, our physical desires, our physical wants, our physical necessities. We're all aware of that. Uh, But beyond that, there is the spiritual. And the spiritual, we have to learn to be aware of. The physical cries out for attention all the time, while the spiritual waits quietly to be attended to. We're commanded to walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. So look at Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Did I have it right up here? Did I have it wrong? I had it wrong. Romans, it should be Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now. That's kind of a weird construction. I'll tell you about it in a minute. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, uh, but after the Spirit. The verses just the position is very interesting because in the previous chapter, chapter 7, Paul says things like this. So the trouble is not with the law. For it is spiritual and good. The law is spiritual and good. The trouble, Paul said, is with me. And here's Paul, the apostle. Wrote most of the New Testament. Started a bunch of churches. He said, the the trouble is not with the law. Trouble is with me. I'm all too human, a slave to sin. Bobby talked about, sang about in that song uh, about shackles and chains. And you know what? We don't have literal shackles and chains on us. But when we uh, when we are enslaved by sin, we have spiritual shackles and chains that hold us down. Uh, and then, so Paul says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. You know what? That is so true. So many times, you know, so I'm not going to do it. And, and just kind of a, a trivial illustration, you know, is, is, is you decide to eat right. I'm going to eat right. 
I'm going to have good, nutritious food. I'm going to go to a plant-based diet. I'm not going to have red meat. I'm not going to have sugar. I'm not going to have enriched flour. What do you do? You sit down and eat a hamburger with some french fries and chase it with a cookie, chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. And, 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 and then I hate myself for it. It's like, well, why? Paul continues. He says, I'm reminded, or rather, uh, the, the things that I don't want to do, that's the very thing I do. And, and the things that I don't want to do, uh, that I do do, are the things that I hate. Romans chapter 7, verses 14 and 15. And that cartoon popped in my head about the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other. An old, very wise Native American uh, once described this battle this way. He said, inside of me, are two dogs. He said, one dog is good, the other is bad. Someone said, which one wins? And he said, the one I say sick them to. The one I say sick them to. Unfortunately, it's not all that easy for me. I don't know about you, uh, but when we're in spiritual warfare, now, uh, Paul continues with this. He says, I know that nothing good lives within me in my sinful nature or my flesh. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. But I, if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's sin living within me, within me that does it. It's our sin nature. It's part of us. It's part of who we are. You say, well, wait a minute. I thought once we get saved, that's all gone. We have a, two natures at that point. We have a spiritual nature that moves in. But the struggle is real. Uh, sin has such control over our lives. Paul continues this way in chapter 7. I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that's at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that's still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? He, he, I'm, he's using all this, uh, this analogy, uh, this language to, to talk about being enslaved. Sin is not liberating, folks. Sin is enslaving. Sin is a hurtful thing, not a helpful thing. So is there an answer to doing the wrong things that I don't want to do and not doing the things that I should do? Is there an answer to that? <clears throat> and, and thankfully, in verse 25 of chapter 7, there is... He says, thank God, the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. <clears throat> so we move into chapter 8. <clears throat> and understand that, that the chapters were not in part of the original writings, okay? <clears throat> understand that this letter was written by the Apostle Paul to the church there in Rome, and that there was no paragraph break, there was no chapter break, there was no verse break. So he talks about the, the miserable condition of having the sin nature control our minds and our actions and our speech so much of the time. <clears throat> but then he goes right into, there's hope in Jesus Christ. And then he says, uh, he says here that there is, therefore, now no condemnation. So, so we start there. One of my Bible professors used to say, when you see the word, therefore... Try to find out what it's there for. <laughs> when you see the word therefore, try to find out what it's there for. Well, this construction here, in this particular case, it may not seem real obvious, but, but someone who understood the Greek construction here would say, who wouldn't be me, by the way. I, I took enough Greek to be dangerous. Um, I can look up some things in, in, the, in the lexicon and so on, but, uh, but a real Greek scholar would say, you know what that means? That, that, is a, that construction is unusual, and it means to emphasize what follows. In other words, pay attention. 
to what I'm going to say. There is therefore now. Pay attention to what follows uh, from this point on. Having outlined all the spiritual struggles that Paul experienced, indeed all of us experience, Paul celebrates the solution to our dilemma, which is in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of Almighty God, who came down to this earth and endured on the cross and in the whipping before that and in the mocking uh, crowning of thorns before that and in the plucking out of his beard before that, Uh, He did all of that to pay the price for my sins and for yours. And so by faith then, faith in what he did for me, faith in his completed work, having completed on the cross, having been buried and rising again on the third day, having done that, he secured my justification. Now someone said, what is justification? It's just as if I had never sinned. Just as if. I had never sinned. A little play on the, on the, on the, uh, on the syllables there. Uh, so, so by faith we're justified before God. And condemnation, there is therefore now no condemnation. Condemnation is the opposite of justification. If we're not justified, we stand guilty, convicted and guilty before Almighty God. And, and, and under a, uh, I would think, uh, and, and I can remember being under a, a an oppressive amount of guilt because of the sin in in my life. And so uh, here's the thing. Condemnation is replaced by justification because of what Christ did. So, therefore, is the battle over? Is everything perfect? Is it all a bed of roses? Is it just, you know, hunky-dory from this point on? Everything's good? Do our thoughts please him all the time? Is every one of our actions righteous? Do we always speak uh, encouraging words? Unfortunately, we do not. Because we continue to battle the flesh continually. Now, there is... There are Christians who believe that the, the old sin nature is absolutely put to death and it has no more influence over you. But I'm going to tell you something. And I've heard people say, well, I haven't sinned in seven years. <laughs> I can't go seven minutes. I, I mean, I, I, my hat's off to you if you went seven years without sinning. But, you know, I think if you did go seven years without sinning, you just did it. <laughs> By saying that, that's what, I, that's what I think. I think you lied. John Stott says... John Stott says the Christian life is essentially life in the Spirit. That is to say, a life that is animated, moved around, sustained, and directed, and enriched by the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, true Christian discipleship would be inconceivable and, in fact, indeed, impossible. It's the Spirit of God that moves. It's the Spirit of God. When's the last time you prayed and talked to the Spirit of God? Well, I pray to the Father. Yeah, I know. We should. Well, I prayed to the Son. I said, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Yeah, we should. How about thanking the Holy Spirit for drawing us? You know what? We didn't go looking for God. Don't give me that. We didn't go looking for Him. We were content in our sinful ways. And what happened was the Holy Spirit convicted us and let us know that the way we were going was wrong and showed us there was a better way and that way was in Christ and showed us that he loved us enough that he gave himself on the cross for us. And so it's the Holy Spirit of God on our inside urging us to do what's right when all the stimulus around us, almost all the stimulus around us, is trying to get us to do wrong. Have you noticed a change in te- television programming of late? Have you noticed the increase in same-sex 
relationships. It's, it's, it's impossible not to notice if you're watching TV at all. Have you noticed the political games that are being played, being inserted in the plots of just about every t- television program, whether it be comedy or drama? I mean, they're, they're educating, they're, they're, they're indoctrinating through the media, through movies and televisions, through music. They're, they're indoctrinating uh, people in a certain way, and, and it's not in a good way. It's not in a way to listen to the Holy Spirit and listen and, and read and know and do the Word of God. It's, it's do whatever feels good to you. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus who not walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. There's, uh, there, there's that phraseology there. Now the words in Christ or in Christ Jesus appear 119 times in Paul's writings. 119 times. Eugene Patterson, who was responsible for the, the message and a uh, more than a translation, kind of a uh, more of a paraphrase uh, of the of the scriptures calls condemnation a continuous low-lying black cloud which Paul says no longer hangs over us. So it's kind of like this cloud that hangs. Well, oh man, what was that cartoon character back in the day? Al Cap used to draw um, Joe something, and he had this, everywhere he went, there was this cloud with lightning shooting out of it and rain, and, you know, everywhere he went, it was right there. It was over him. Well, you know what? That's kind of what, that's kind of what it is. The condemnation kind of goes with us everywhere we go and condemns us every time we turn around. But it no longer needs to hang over us because there is no condemnation of Christ if we have been justified. Our walk is not supposed to be after the flesh, but after the Spirit. This is this first verse of, of chapter 8 of Romans begins with no condemnation. If you go all the way to the end of the chapter, you know what it ends up with? No separation. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. It gives a whole list of things that might attempt or try to separate us from the love of God. But you know what? God loves you with such an incredible love. There's nothing, nothing, nothing that can stop him from loving you. There's no sin you can commit that will make him stop loving you. In fact, there are sins we can commit that will God cause God to chastise us, to punish us, to correct us because he loves us. Not out of, I'm going to get even with you, not out of revenge, but I, I, I want to, he wants us to walk in the right path so he doesn't allow us to just uh, wantonly walk in, in whatever. We're his kids. You know what? I, I, I correct, when, when our children were young, I corrected my kids. I didn't correct everybody else's kids. Neighbor kid wants to, you know, I mean, I'm, that's, that's for the, their parents to correct them. But my kids, I corrected. And so, so maybe unsaved people get away with stuff. You say, how can they get away with it? They're not God's kids. And they won't always get away with it. There'll come a time of reckoning. But God loves us. And there is no separation. So there's no condemnation, no separation. In between that, no defeat. We don't have to be defeated. I know. We get tripped up sometimes. I know we fall flat on our face sometimes. I know we get tricked by 
the wiles of the devil sometimes. I know we, we make choices that are not godly and not right, and we look back and we say, why in the world did I do that? I know that, but in, in the midst of all, there is no defeat because he still loves us, and we, there's always a way back to him. The first 17 verses of Romans 8 teaches that we are free from condemnation. We're free from control by our sinful disposition. We're free from the separation from God. We are free, absolutely free from all of those things. And then the Bible talks about, in, in verses 18 through 39, the promises of God, the purposes of God, and the protection of God. When I got into this message, when I got into studying for this, I knew I had blown it because there's no way you can talk about uh, promises concerning the spiritual realm in one message. No way. You're free from what blocked our way to every good blessing. We're free from law and sin. The law of the Spirit has replaced the law of sin and death. And, and there's a whole list of things. Let's go to the next slide here. Uh, and, and I just made a list. I'm not going to, this is for you to take home. And I think this is online. I believe it is anyhow. Uh, but we're redeemed. We're alive to God. We're possessors of eternal life. We're free from the law of sin and death. We're members of one spiritual body. We're sharers in Christ's work. We're sanctified. We're recipients of grace. We're secure in death. We're bold to speak the truth. Next slide. We're new creatures. We're free. We're justified. We're recipients of the blessings given to Abraham. We're sons of God. We're one with others regardless of race, gender, or social condition. We're recipients of every spiritual blessing in heaven. We're seated in the heavens and the heavenlies. We're created for good works. We're brought near to God. Next slide. We're partakers with the Jews of the promises. We're forgiven by God. We're encouraged. We're at peace. We're provided for. We're anticipated the resurrection of our bodies, not even dead yet, but I can't wait till this old piece of clay is, is resurrected and be like the Lord's glorious body. Immediately be 35, 40 pounds gone. Immediately. Uh, the resurrection overseen by providence. We're alive. We're saved. We're alive for the first time. When, when the Bible talks about being quickened, we're quickened by the Spirit. That's an old English word meaning we're made alive. Made alive by the Spirit of God. And this is just a few of the things. This is not comprehensive either. And it's like the Holy Spirit, uh, like a strong westerly wind, is, is, is just blowing the smog and fog uh, completely out of the shore. And all of a sudden, the sun's shining like it is today. And it's beautiful out. Not a cloud in the sky. No dark clouds at all on the horizon. God's so good. Wait a minute. It's conditional. Nah, all that stuff's not just automatic. It's conditional if, if. A lot of God's promises are not conditional. He loves us with an everlasting love. That's not conditional. This is if we walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Choice is yours, choice is mine. Now, now I'm, I'm in, in full disclosure here, this part of verse 1 of chapter 8 is not found in a lot of the manuscripts. I want to share that with you. Not found in a lot of manuscripts. Oh, skip down to verse 4. Hmm, there it is. It is found in verse 4. The very same words. If, it's, we're gone. If, back up, if, back up, if. If we walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. So th those words are found in verse 4 for sure. They're found in, in a lot of manuscripts in verse 1, but they're found in verse uh, 4 for sure. So let's talk about it for a minute. He orders our steps. 
Psalm 37, 23 through 25, the steps of a good person are ordered or established by the Lord. Where, where you walk when you're walking in the Spirit is exactly where God wants you to be. And, and you are protected when you're walking by God. Now, now that doesn't mean a Christian won't be martyred. We, uh, I read a letter about a tragedy befallen this, this young girl in this country that I will not name right now. But there are a lot of countries where Christians are being systematically slaughtered today, systematically slaughtered because of their faith in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. But guess what? If they're walking in the Spirit, and if it is God's purpose for them to die a martyr's death, then that's okay. It's hard for our carnal minds to grasp that. I told you before, after my dad had his stroke, and he was lying there in the bed, and he couldn't communicate, and he couldn't move, he couldn't get up, he couldn't take care of himself. I, and, and after a little, he passed away in, in a very short period of time. And it wasn't very long after that that I sat straight up in bed, three o'clock in the morning, one night, one morning, three o'clock in the morning, and, and it, 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 wide awake. And like, what if that happens to me? And I had to wrestle with that, and I did. I wrestled with that for a while. Unfortunately, many months, which I should not have, but I did. Until I finally came to the point where I said, you know what? My purpose on earth is not to have a wonderful life. My purpose on earth is not to have fun. My purpose on life is to glorify my God and my Savior. And if I can, if in his opinion, being the omniscient God he is, if I can best serve him and a stroke is in my path ahead of me, that's fine. He's the one who orders our steps. He delights in our way when we're walking with him. Though we fall, we will not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young, David said, and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor seed begging bread. Ultimately, God will Take care of us. Better than we can. He orders our steps. He leads us. The Psalm 23 says he leads us beside the still waters. And when, when all is raging around, when all is uh, in turmoil and, and, and the world's going crazy and mass shootings and, and ideologies are being taught and, and, and Marxism is trying to take over. When all this stuff's happening, he leads us beside still waters. He refreshes our soul. He leads us in paths of what? Righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. And even like I will do this Thursday, even like we're doing now in preparation for Ron's service, yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. Because he's there too. And we don't live in that valley. We move on. carnal mind versus the spiritual mind. It's a warfare. It's an absolute warfare. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. 
Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. If any man has the spirit of Christ, have not the spirit of Christ, he is not of his. There could not be any more contrasting way of lives and of living than that of living in the spirit versus living in the flesh. The lower nature and the higher nature, which is spiritual. So here, here, kind of people's decisions and how they determine to think about things, philosophies, and how they determine to live moral choices and even their politics are all determined, their, their intellectual orientation are all determined by how they relate to God and God's law. It shouldn't surprise us that this world is in chaos. It shouldn't surprise us that our country has been turned upside down morally and spiritually. People don't think themselves into the way they act, but they act themselves in the way that they think. Ethical decisions more often than misguided reason, lies at the heart of error. I say it more concisely this way. A person's theology determines their morals and their politics. What you think about God and what you think about the Word of God will determine what you think about morality and what is decent and what is right and determine your politics. That's why we have such a schizophrenic construct in our nation today. Uh, listen to me. I don't want to make anybody mad, but let me, let me tell you, gender confusion, dysphoria, sexual transitioning, of little, having, asking little children what sex they want to be, along with misusing specific pronouns, Rioters are good. Police are bad. Christians are bigots. Secularists and humanists are right. Truth versus political correctness. Liberty versus license. Abortionists who believe in taking the life of little babies, now 62 million or so in the United States of America, but they don't believe in capital punishment for the one who would kill a bunch of people. You say that doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't because it's coming from a carnal mindset. It's coming from a feel-good mindset. This, this baby would be an inconvenience so, and, and it certainly wouldn't it'd be a distraction, it'd be a problem. It's not the right timing. It's not the right this. It's not the right that, whatever. So therefore, we'll terminate that because that's better. That'll make everybody feel better, which it doesn't. You talk about regrets. Not everybody. I'm sure there's some people that don't regret, but but a lot of people do. I, we've dealt for years with a couple of different agencies that help young women who are expecting, and try to convince them to keep their babies, and and they also deal with people who have uh, s- the stresses and the, and the and the depression that they have because they have had uh, abortions. Open borders versus legal immigration. We literally have an invasion going on, literally. Hundreds of thousands of people 
well, shouldn't we just take, we can't take care of the whole world. That's not possible. A person's morality determines their politics. And we've had at least, I think, three generations that have been taught socialism and Marxism ideals and philosophies. Certainly haven't been taught Judeo-Christian ethics. We have more generations than three who have been taught to follow their feelings, what feels good. If it, in fact, that was a saying back in the 60s, what, if it feels good, do it? You all know that one, Bo? <laughs> follow their feelings, fleshly desires, carnal desires. That's what we were taught. That's what I was taught. In classrooms back in the 60s. We're taught to follow feelings rather than dogma. Christian doctrines. It's a better way to live. We've barely, we haven't even, we have not even scratched the surface of the promises regarding and relevant to the spiritual life. But just trust me, there's a better way to live. Life according to the higher nature. Life to be led by the Spirit of God. A bunch of little sins become big sins when we cater to the flesh. A bunch of things that start out seemingly innocent can really devolve into a mess in a hurry. And that's where we are. So let me ask you this question. Who are you saying sick them to? Which dog? Which angel or devil are you saying sick them to? Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? Would you look internally, look into your own heart, look into your own life? Would you allow the Holy Spirit of God to challenge some of your philosophy, some of your thinking, some of your logic, some of that which you've been indoctrinated with? Can, can, you, can you look at it? Does it line up with the word of God? Because God has a better way, folks. God has a better way. Lord, help us to be mindful of the spirit of God. If we're Christian, he indwells us. If there are people here who are not born again, their sins haven't been forgiven, they haven't yet been justified, then today could be that day for them. And I pray, Lord, that if there's someone like that, that they would just simply, right now, with their head bowed, begin talking to you and, Lord, asking you to forgive them their sin, to be their Lord, their Savior, their God. The Bible tells us we confess our sins to him. We believe in our heart that Jesus is the Son of God and he died on the cross and was buried and rose again. We believe that. And the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you call upon him right now? Dear God, please forgive me of my sins. Please be my Savior. I trust you right now. Give me eternal life and help me to walk for you. With every head bowed, if you just prayed something like that right now, you just prayed it. Maybe not in those exact words, but you just prayed it. With every head bowed, just slip your hand up for a moment. Just hold it up for a moment and put it back down. 
How many of you would say, preacher, I need a closer walk. I need to listen to the Spirit of God. I need the Holy Spirit of God to control me. I need him to direct my steps and my paths. Every head bowed, would you raise your hand up? Hold it up high. God bless you. God bless you so many. Our Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives within us to lead us and guide us. And I pray that we would follow him and his leadership in this invitation and in all things, all decisions that we make, may your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? God's leading you to receive Christ as your Savior. Rededicate your life as the praise team sang about earlier. Come back to God. Join the church. Be baptized. And if there's something the Holy Spirit's dealing with you about, would you come and let me know so I can pray with you? I'll be right down here at the front. You come on. If we have ladies here, my wife's over here. She can pray with you. I'll pray with the guys. Come on right now as the praise team leads us in song. Father, we thank you so much for the love that you have for us, for the provision of the Holy Spirit of God, for giving us a new nature, Lord. I pray that new nature would win every battle. I pray, God, that the old nature would recede into the background every single day, more and more so, to where we walk by the Spirit until one day we just literally walk into your presence. So, Father, go with us today. Keep us safe. Keep us sane, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I have a leadership team meeting in the office right, I mean, in the room right over here in just about five minutes. Do what? Oh, Rachel, I forgot. Come here, Rachel. Just stay standing. I've had you seated too long. So, you want them seated? Oh, she wants you seated. All right.
Um, just let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, thank you so much for reminding us how much you love us, God. I thank you, Father, for um, your patience and your compassion towards us. I thank you, Lord, that I am impatient, God, and that you have forgiven me for those things. Because you say your grace is sufficient, your power is made perfect in our weakness, so we can boast all the more gladly in our weaknesses so that your power can rest on us. Thank you, Lord, for my impatience, because your grace is surely sufficient for it. I pray for this congregation, and I pray for the, um, the love that's going to be shown today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Um, I'm here. My name's Rachel, and I'm just here to give an update on what is going on with Lily. You may be keeping track. I'm not sure, but she would have been already back, but she's not. Um, so I just wanted to share this. Firstly, um, what God is doing in Uganda with our kids, we love because you first loved us. That's 1 John 1, 9. And he says in John 14, 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. And J.I. Packer says it like this. Adoption is the highest privilege that the gospel offers, higher even than justification. To be right with God the judge is a great thing. But to be loved and cared for by God, the Father, is greater. When Jesus says yes, no one can say no. So Lily is in Uganda serving God and loving those children. Even during now, we have a 42-day lockdown there. Um, two people, Peter and Richard, have come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Praise the Lord Jesus. We have more, though, who need Jesus. Um, <laughs> okay. And so we need to all be praying for this um, mission as a church, please. We are all orphans before we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord. But when we do, make no mistake, he has given us everything and everything is his. So how will we respond to such amazing grace? Again, when Jesus says yes, no one can say no. So we're going to watch a few videos here.
for God for God so loved the world that that he gave that he gave that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not shall not That he gave his own oh, way. That he gave. That he gave. That he gave. His Love you so much, Live Love family in Uganda. And we're here to wish you happy anniversary. And we have something for you. Happy anniversary, Pastor Jim. We love you so much.
just want to share, too, one last thing. If you guys want to be a part of that, we meet with them every day at 1030 during the week. You can text me if you have my number, and I'll send you a link to get on so we can praise the Lord together with them. It's all on video. It's awesome. Every day. All right. And right. happy anniversary to these two Thank guys. You. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's first. My wife's saying, no, 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 no. That's the first. That's the very first. Hey, thank you all for being here. God bless you. We're so glad to be in, here in God's house today with us. And go with God, okay? Walking as he wants to. Oh, wow. Thank you. My goodness. Thank you very much. Leadership team over here. Thank you.